This is the Fit Roots Podcast, and I'm your host, Aidan Lee. We are focused on teaching you the best of philosophy, martial arts, health, well-being, and business. Our mission is to build modern warriors who enhance their lives through continual physical and mental evolution, and then bestow that gift onto the next generation. Today, we've got Amith Ruparelia joining us. Amith is the founder of Physio Unlocked. His principal aim is to teach professionals how to manage injury and teach them the fundamentals of good efficient movement. He believes that leading an active lifestyle and spreading positivity are fundamental to pain-free health and well-being. His fascination with the human body truly began in 2010 when he started his physiotherapy degree program at the University of Birmingham. With over a thousand hours of clinical placement and a dissertation with Aston Villa Football Club, this gave him the perfect springboard to start work in the NHS on hospital rotations. Having a love for all things exercise, his passion led him to work in sports clubs such as Brentford FC and also Stain Swimming Club, where he has been a conditioning coach for the last five years. As a seasoned practitioner, you see many people place limitations on themselves because of pain. Pain is a necessary fact of life. However, people all too often let it take over and run their lives. He has learned that pain is usually caused by a lack of good quality and efficient movement. Whether you're a self-confessed fitness freak or a weekend warrior, if you don't move well, your body will soon let you know about it. The reason he set up Physio Unlocked is because he hated seeing patients receive low-value, recipe book-style, protocol-led treatments with minimal support seen in many physiotherapy clinics. He wants to change the way people think about rehab by giving them the knowledge, tools, and support they deserve. Most physios treat patients with injuries. He prefers to get to know a person, find out what drives them, and build a plan focused on their goals and capabilities. Seeing people break down their barriers excites him. Seeing people achieve things they thought impossible is what motivates him. He generally feels that if you move well and you are positive in your outlook, you can conquer many of the challenges that life throws at you. This goes for recovering from an injury as well as being able to deal with life stresses. If he can teach a person how to move well and unlock their potential, everyone wins. Amith, welcome to the Fit Roots Podcast. Thank you, Aidan. Good morning. Happy to have you here. Thank you so much for coming on today, Amith. We really want to dig deep with the kind of expertise that you have and the way that you can help, particularly men in our audience, to either recover from their injuries, get fitter, get healthier, and as you say, get happier. Well, that's what it's all about. Thank you very again for having me on. I think it's really important to uh, spread these messages because there's so much bad bad messages out there so let's see if we can dispel a few myths today and 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 help many a people so i'm completely with you we want to get with uh rid of those myths and get around them so let's start with some of those myths because i think that's a big uh you know needle in the haystack people there's a lot of misinformation out there they're not sure where to go what to find or what to do so with your experience Amith, would you care to share with us the kind of things you've seen um, the kind of problems you see and how people can overcome that. Yeah, so I see uh, every day in my clinic people coming through with injuries and ailments, not just the people that, you know, fall over or have an accident, you know, those acute traumatic things, um, but more the uh, repetitive buildup of, of, of injury that accumulates over time, you know, like those uh, chaps with that groggy lower back or that, uh, neck which gives them problems all the time or that irritable shoulder and what I tend to find is these guys have been suffering with problems for months years 
sometimes even decades. <laughs> um, and they just place restrictions and limitations on themselves, uh, which I think is, is just such a, such a sad thing. You hear it so often, oh, I've got this, this back problem, I've stopped exercising, or I'm scared to exercise, or you know, I'm not spending time with my family, or I avoid going out to certain places purely because of because of because of fear, really. Wow. Um, so, would you say fear is is one of the central things that's holding people back, or is there something more mechanical, you know, physical, or is it a mixture of all of those things, mental and physical? Tell us a bit more about that. Yeah, I think it's always a combination. I think if we we need to move away from this dogma that it's purely a uh, injury is purely based on um, sort of what you do, how you set your body up. You're purely a, a biomechanical thing. There's much, much more to it than that. Um, so the often uh, thing that comes in through the clinic and people will say, um, oh, I've got pain um and they say it's because i'm out of alignment or something like that and i kind of look at them and say well no one's truly in a perfect alignment you know there's uh, a vast variation of, of of normal you know um what does that mean by being out of out of alignment you know um and if we take some of the most or the most famous runner in the world usain bolt um you'd think he's a pretty good runner right Pretty good, yeah. Yeah, well, he's got a massive, well, he's not a massive scoliosis, but he has a scoliosis, you know, and so a scoliosis is a curvature of the spine, uh, an out of alignment thing. So if he can run a world record time being out of alignment, how much of a problem is it to an extent? You see what I mean? Mm. Um, so for these people that come through and say, oh, it's uh, purely a biomechanical thing, I think, well, actually, there may be more to it. What are you doing in terms of, um, you know, your mood, your sleep patterns, your, your general happiness, engaging in the things that you enjoy? What are your beliefs around uh, around the pain? Yeah. All these factors play a part. You know, it's a, a massive multifaceted uh, thing, you know? Yeah, as you say, it's multivaried and mm. hard. It's not just one or the other. Of course, uh, biomechanics are important, but they're not definitely. And as you say, if you're if you've got great mechanics, but you're stressed all the time, for example, that's not going to work in your favour. Exactly. This is this is very true. Very very true. So yeah, that's I mean really interesting to hear in the example of Usain Bolt there. Just to, out of curiosity, do you know what the degree of the scoliosis is? So the actual figure. Uh, of Usain himself. Yeah. Uh, to be honest with you, I don't know the exact degree of range of movement, but it'll be less than 20 degrees, I would have thought. So it's not a severe one. Not severe, no, 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 but it's still there and it's still relevant. Yeah, no, it's, it's a good example, fair enough. Yeah, he talks That's... about it himself, actually. He says um, that he used to get quite a lot of uh, a lot of pain in his back in his younger years. Um, uh, but then through training, exercising, getting getting his back as strong as possible, that's enabled him to then train harder and, and run those fantastic world record times, you know. Yeah. Yeah, he's obviously doing something right. So he's doing play. something right. <laughs> <laughs> so that's interesting. So you also are a bit of a back pain specialist or that's your area of particular expertise or interest. Uh, mm. With that in mind, I know back pain is such a prominent thing and you – I would assume know a lot more of the stats and the things behind it than I do, but could you share some of those stats if you know any or your experiences around the back pain issues? 
Yeah, sure, definitely. Um, so we can talk about uh, injury and anatomy, um, for example. So a lot of people that uh, get back pain, they go to a clinician, a clinician, or they have an X-ray or an MRI scan or something, and they'll say, "Ah, oh, your pain is caused by a by a disc bulge or something." That is the cause of the, that is the cause of the pain. That's what shows up on the MRI scan. That must be the reason for your your pain. Um, but actually, when we look at the evidence and delve into the details and actually what the facts and figures are around who has disc bulges, what you'll find is that from the age of about 20 years old, if you MRI'd every single person in the, in the, in the general population, you'll actually find that about 20, 25% of 20-year-olds who don't experience back pain actually have a disc bulge. That's amazing, right? Yes, yes, <laughs> quite a substantial figure. Yeah, I would have yeah. By the time you get to sort of your fifties, that figure it jumps up to about sixty percent, and by the time you get um, a little bit older, that into your retirement years, everyone's got them. <laughs> you know. Yes. So, and these are people that don't experience pain. So we often find these um, uh, these so called abnormalities, which um, are present, but aren't always a contributing factor to people's pain you know mm. so that's that's very interesting i think anyway yeah I, i'm completely with you i think it's uh, it's good to see the the evidence behind it and what is causing people to at least think why their pain is there and whether that is actually the genuine reason as to why it is or if there's mm. there is something else underlying so Definitely. with that in mind obviously there is you know or at least people experience or tout they're experiencing a lot of back pain Mm. why do you think they they get this pain in the first place and what's the solution to it yeah well there's again the the reasons are multifaceted but what you will often find is there's a, a change in someone's lifestyle or, or or routine or pattern so you take the example of um you know the typical desk-based worker you know doesn't do much exercise and then one weekend decides to go and paint the living room <laughs> for example um he'll go paint the living room and then uh, wake up the next morning really stiff can't get out of bed back's hurting uh it may then go on and not resolve uh for a period of period of weeks um that person will then go to the doctors doctors might order a scan the scan will come back a disc bulge will be present and then all of a sudden you've got this uh person who thinks their pain has been caused by a disc bulge when actually it's probably the fact that they've just gone and painted the living room which is quite a lot of exercise for someone who doesn't normally do that exercise um and that's actually the reason so it's not this thing you see on the scan it's more the fact that they're They've changed their habit or they've changed their behavior. Uh, they've changed their loading pattern. Um, what do you mean by that? Can you just explain that for people? Okay, yeah, sure. So um, if you've got a relatively inactive person and all of a sudden they do something very, very active, their, their, bus, uh, their body, their muscles, their joints won't necessarily be able to cope with that increase in activity at that moment in time. Um, it comes down to conditioning at the end of the day. You know, if you're not used to doing an activity, your body's going to struggle, you know. It's too much too soon. It's too much too soon. Yes, you're right. So is the the ultimate crux there that people should be in a, a base level of conditioning so that when they go and do something, whether it be painting the living room or actually something 
um, intentionally active, like training, for example, that yeah. they might experience these kind of injuries? Yes, I think so. You need to take things on a, on a graduated uh, uh, take things gra- uh, on a graduate <laughs> progress things gradually sorry get my words out <laughs> um, so if you it's like when people pick up and do like a half marathon you don't suddenly go and run 13 miles do you you start with right I'm going to start with one mile and then progress to two three I might do a little bit of interval training I might do um, a little bit of hill sprints to get the running form and technique I might do a bit of tempo running you know over a period of, of months you know um, yeah. so you gradually get your body used to uh, the activities you place upon it you know it's yeah. a gradual progression um, and it does have to be done done gradually even if it's something like painting the living room, okay, no one's going to work up to painting the living room. <laughs> but actually what you might find is useful is doing uh, things in blocks, so sort of two hourly blocks. I'm going to do a bit of activity for a couple of hours, take a little bit of a rest for an hour, come back to it. Do you see what I mean? Yeah, so, I'm with you. There's a, just, I, guess, I guess it's looking at it from the whole perspective because you didn't get to that inactive unhealthy state overnight you're not going to suddenly get out of it overnight so what can you no. do to get yourself into a healthy state of mind and body and that will take some extra work to build yourself back up yes definitely definitely um it's just about being sensible really um understanding what you want to do in life what you you know what you uh, get value from and then putting the groundwork in so you're able to do it you know Wonderful. So you've obviously mentioned there, that's a great tip is building up and, you know, building up gradually to what it is you want to achieve or your goals in training or whatever it might be. How about some other valuable tips for people who are experiencing back pain or general pain throughout the body? How can they get rid of that and get themselves into a healthier state? Yeah, definitely. So that's a good, very good question. Um, Oh, it's so broad as well. So we can take it from a, a number of different aspects. So if we take a look at the pure biomechanical side of things, that graduated loading uh, is the way forward. So, uh, yeah, being generally active, uh, getting a regular amount of exercise in you know, every week is a good thing. The uh, NHS guidelines is 30 minutes of activity five days a week, uh, which actually is pretty easy to do when you think about it but so many people neglect it (laughs) um so having that baseline level of physicality you know you should be able to bend down touch your toes you should be able to get yourself off the floor you know up and down the stairs without getting out of breath those you know basic things you should be able to do comfortably um if you're experiencing pain and are you know in or in a flare-up of pain as we call it then you might think, right, what are the sensible things I need to do? I need to um, reduce my activities for that short period of time. So reduce what I'm doing slightly, but keeping active, keeping moving. Um, you might try simple techniques, so such as getting some heat into the back. So hot uh, water bottles, wheat bags, something like that. Nice and easy uh, things you can do. Take part in a stretching regime, you know, get those muscles open, get the joints open, get them moving, take your body through those normal ranges of movement. Um, Because once the body realizes actually going through these movements is safe, your pain levels will go down automatically. 
you know. So that's the pure biomechanics side of things. If we look at the other end of the spectrum, the more psychological things, the psychosocial things, as I tend to class them, um, if you have something like a, a really stressful job, for example, because that can be a big risk factor for developing back pain is, is stress. Um, you might think, right, you know what? Actually, I need to take a step away from those stressful situations. I need to maybe ask for a bit of assistance and help with my day-to-day job um, from my manager on a temp- temporary basis, trying to mitigate those stress factors in your work. If your stress factors are at home, because we all have those stressful situations at home as well, you might think, right, I actually need to get myself, uh, spend some time, you know, having some mindfulness and meditation, maybe finding some time away from the home, going for a walk, taking yourself and clearing your headspace. Because that's something that you can do really, really easily. Um, Sleep, sleep's another big one, uh, one I really advocate on because if you're not sleeping well, you're going to be in pain. So Aiden, if you haven't had a good night's sleep, what are you like in the morning? (laughs) Yeah, a bit cranky. Yeah. <laughs> a bit cranky, right? So imagine if you also had pain, back pain as well. Do you think your pain would be better or worse if you had a good night's sleep? It will amplify. Yeah, it, it, that's it. And that's what I say to patients. If you've got all these little factors going on, they act as little amplifiers, uh, switches. So poor sleep, the switch goes up. Stress levels, uh, it goes up. <laughs> you know, all these little things. So it's about turning down that amplifier switch and and getting your body back on back on track to a level which is um, which is conducive to to you, really. Yeah, it's a nice analogy as well, it's because you're constantly having to, if you like, battle with the the daily stresses of especially modern life and society, which is not what we were necessarily built for, and. Uh, to try and mitigate or manage those somewhat unnatural stresses sometimes will be a harder thing to do than it used to be. But as you say, it's still possible. It's just having the right things in place. Yeah, I think sometimes it's really quite nice to do a a sort of visual overlook on everything. So I did this with a patient yesterday and it it really made him understand what was going on with his symptoms. So it's a chap dealing with neck pain, long-standing neck pain, uh, works in in the airport as a a flight attendant. Um, Every comes to see me, we have a look at him. We've uh, done loads of soft tissue manual therapy with him, loads of exercising. And when he comes away and and leaves me, he's fantastic. He feels absolutely brilliant. He goes away, does his stuff at home and absolutely brilliant. No problems. But then a month goes by and he'll say, my pain is coming back. Um, so then we did, we, we just basically drew out his symptoms. We said, right, you've got this muscular mechanical sort of neck pain. These are the things which make it better. What are the other contributing factors to your symptoms? Um, and he turned around and says, well, actually my partner's going through, uh, got, got cancer and got some really big um, you know, decisions to be made in terms of treatment for them. So that's a stress factor don't sleep at all i'm getting four to five hours of sleep at night that's that's a big thing i've i've completely stopped my exercise regime because i'm too busy worrying about all these all these other things uh you know so once we kind of displayed that and uh wrote it all down on a piece of paper he could really visually see what was going on and what was contributing to his symptoms um and that visual representation is very helpful for 
people who don't really, sometimes we can get quite myopic in our own circumstances and we don't really perceive what we is happening to us in the way that someone may objectively do so like yourself. This is true. This is true. And for this chap, just having that visual representation, it was like that aha moment, that eureka. It's like, ah, I, I, I've, cause I've been telling him this stuff, you know, over the time I've seen him, but having that to visually in front of him with little arrows and little stars and stuff along on the paper, it was just um, quite a special moment for him to, to realize and say, ah, I, I, I simply get it now. <laughs> you know, I understand. <laughs> yeah, there you go. That's lovely. That's lovely. Oh, that is really, that's a really wonderful anecdote there. Cause that's a great exercise that anyone can just take away and do right now. So if you're experiencing no, pain, anyone listening to this, go ahead and try that and see what's uh, you know, causing it, isn't it? Yeah. I um, often say to people, right, just plot out your diary, your hourly diary of the day. Um, so six o'clock, seven o'clock, write down the activities you're doing. And if that activity causes you pain or not, um, and then you can kind of develop uh, and kind of see patterns. Okay, like what a pain diary? Like a pain diary, exactly. So you can see what activities your symptoms are worse in. And very often you'll see people that um, have pain Monday to Friday, but actually are all right Saturday and Sunday. So what does that tell you? <laughs> you know, dodgy jobs. Yeah, possibly, possibly. Very interesting. No, that's that's a great great way of looking at it as well. And again, another actionable tip that people can try you know, going forwards this week and, and onwards to see what's really happening. Definitely. So that's really interesting. I'd like to also touch on, uh, I guess, what would be unfortunately perceived as negative things. But mm-hmm. the, within your industry, and I guess, you know, I'm somewhat similar, not far away from your industry, but you see a lot of things being promoted which are probably not that conducive to people's help. I mean, you see, you've told me personally, you see it all the time in, in physio, the sort of low entry, um, low level value that's given to patients and clients and customers. Tell me a bit more about, or tell everyone a bit more about the culture around the general culture around treatment for patients and either what's wrong with it or what can be done better with it. Yeah, sure. So I, I see it quite often um, and it, it does actually quite upset me because these patients have quite often spent a lot of money on certain types of, of therapies or treatments or, or, or whatever or supplements or, or whatever it may be. And ultimately, those things haven't worked because that's why they're seeing me in clinic that day um so a a big example would be treating someone with um i don't know let's take the example of of lower back pain again um you're relatively inactive person and treating them with more passive modalities such as um ultrasound for example um things like uh acupuncture things like uh, certain types of uh, other manual therapies, which for that person has no relevance whatsoever. Um, That person will often be uh, not just inactive, but uh, someone who's just scared to move. And actually, why don't we take away those passive modalities? Why don't we chuck them in the bin for a minute and say, right, how can we get you to be that little bit more active? Because let's face it, motion is lotion at the end of the day, you know. Um, the body likes to move, it was designed to move. If you look at the skeleton, everything about our skeleton um, says that we are uh, uh, 
a species that that moves and is active and moves through environment so let's start to get that back again especially for those people that have very sedentary jobs or or, or don't do a lot of exercise physically because that's ultimately what's what's causing their pain they're and they're not using their body as it was designed to designed to be yeah historically we, we were designed or created or built or whatever you want to look at it to do certain movements and, and traverse long distances and forage and all of these activities and as you say they are very active things for an active species so that's really so what are you saying that basically these the common modalities used by a lot of health practitioners are really beating around the bush and not getting to the core of the issue i think so i think they're 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 tickling around the edges (laughs) rather than getting to the crux of of the of the problem um yeah because like i said to you earlier a lot of the times people will have barriers to to getting better and some of the biggest barriers are, are fear you know, I'm scared to do that. They won't say it overtly. They won't say I'm, I'm scared to go and pick up my kid or I'm, you know, I'm scared to go out and go for a 5K run or something like that. But in the back of their heads, they're scared. <laughs> they're scared. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. They are, um, there's, there's an inbuilt fear that they think the activity that they're doing is going to break them or cause them more harm. Um, I think I spend more time in clinics saying to people, well, I try to anyway, say to people, these are things you can do rather than things you shouldn't do. I think we very much got into this um, state in healthcare that uh, we need to restrict things. So you go to your doctor, often say, you know, rest, give up running. You know, (laughs) have you thought about taking up a a less active uh, sport? like golf not knocking golf or anything but you know, you know what i mean um i, I get that quite a bit uh, doctors recommending uh, people take up golf rather than doing something more physical that they enjoy but anyway that's another <laughs> another story um so yeah i think a lot of practitioners do beat around the bush um offer modalities which aren't uh relevant for them those those patients and if you spend time just trying to break down a person's fears actually they can uh, be put on the pathway and they can actually fix themselves as it were yeah Yeah, I completely understand and you touch on many things there which I've seen with my students uh, over the years but maybe Mm. just in a different context some of these guys especially you know working myself particularly with men and I guess yourself too they're coming and they're saying things like not necessarily about pain but oh I don't want to go swimming with my kids because you know I feel my self-esteem and lack of confidence you know don't like mm. my body uh, I don't want to go to the gym because you know I don't feel strong or whatever it might be and as you say sometimes it's also the psychosocial as well as the literal mechanical problems that they have not just one or the other tend to yeah. find a massive combination of many variables I think so I think so and that percentage of what is it that's going on the psychosocial or the biomechanical i think that that fluctuates and and, and changes based on the individual based on the day of the week (laughs) a lot of the time um but yeah take the example of that uh you know maybe that overweight person getting to the swimming pool or getting in the gym why are you going swimming and going to the gym it's to get fitter to get more active why should you feel ashamed of that (laughs) you know and actually once you start to break down that that fear and that negative belief really if you break down that negative belief actually you can make that big change in someone's life 
Yeah. And as you say, it's a, it's a belief system that's been internally created and internalized. And if mm. they internalize it so much, eventually it becomes such a thing that stops them from really doing anything in the first place. So I Aiden, really oh, sorry, not internalized unless it's healthy. Mm, definitely. I was going to bring up a, an example of a chap I saw a couple of months ago. He's a, a young chap. He's in his 30s, um, uh, IT professional. Um, and he had this like neck and shoulder thing going on for like 10 years. Um, and, after, and he seemed like a very, you know, intelligent chap, knew exactly what was going on. Um, and we started to delve into his history, who he's seen over the years. He's been seeing certain types of practitioners. I won't uh, name the professions, but um, they uh, were feeding him this poor, poor belief structure. They were saying that spicy food was part of the reason why he was getting his shoulder pain. What? So he gave up spicy food. The guy gave up caffeine. He gave I've up. I've heard coffee. that one before. Spicy food for sure. Aiden, I kid you not. This guy was an intelligent, high-flying individual. You know, very, very intelligent guy. And he he'd given up spicy food and caffeine because he thought it was causing his pain. That's hilarious. <laughs> it was ridiculous. <laughs> he'd been sent again. He'd been sent through. Um, for an MRI scan as well. And in the meantime, while he was getting his results, he saw me. Um, and we had a look at him and had a look at him. And actually, he moved really well, <laughs> you know. He didn't have any real structural biomechanical issues. Um, I said to him, to be honest with you, I think you're fine. <laughs> go, go and have a curry. <laughs> yeah. And he, said, and he said to me, so you don't think the spicy food is causing me problems? I said, no. You don't think it's the caffeine? No, you don't think there's something broken or something torn or something damaged? I said, no. <laughs> he said, oh, brilliant. I said, come and see me in a week's time. You'll have your results, uh, your MRI results, and we can talk through them if there's anything going on. Came back and saw me next week with an MRI scan, which showed nothing sinister going on whatsoever. And he said, ever since I've seen you, I've been 80 to 90% better just yeah. through following, just through not worrying about it anymore. <laughs> that was purely <laughs> psychological. Purely sure. psychological, 10 years worth of pain, giving up spicy food, giving up curry. Who wants to give up curry? Who could do that? I couldn't do that, mate. <laughs> you know what I mean? 10, and, 10 years. I mean, God, you can understand 10 days, 10 weeks, 10 months, but a whole decade of sacrifice of his quality of life purely because he was given the wrong, misguided, misleading, uninformed information. This is very true. And he'd also spent so much money on ergonomic equipment, different types of desks, chairs. The guy had spent overall he'd probably spent about five thousand pounds just on trying to treat this shoulder and neck pain yeah. you know what i mean when he didn't he didn't really need to worry about it yeah that's nuts i mean it's best that's this is where it's always best you kind of pay twice you know you're better off paying someone be a bit better like you know yourself and going to see them rather than paying half and getting the wrong solutions it's, this uh, is true the amount, of times, well there, you know? the amount of times i see patients come in and they show me care plans they call it um again from certain types of practitioners and they're in they're, the bill runs up into their thousands you know over 10 20 30 sessions sometimes and you just think why yeah right on that doesn't note, sound right does it it doesn't mate. it doesn't on that note as well i was having actually a discussion with uh, jasmine about this about this morning okay about, i know you don't do this but yeah. a lot of people in the um I'll just say it because I guess I don't care. In the chiropractors, uh, osteopaths, uh, physios, uh, not yourself, obviously, but a lot of the people in these industries have almost fed people these beliefs and this belief system that they're broken 
and they need the only way to get fixed to come and see me every week rather than giving people a proper plan to go and fix themselves and ideally not to come back because ideally unless you're going for massage therapy like I come to see you for mm. I shouldn't be coming to see you so often no if you're dealing with an injury and, and if you're dealing with a pure injury you shouldn't be needing to see someone once a week for months and months on end um, I say to all my junior physios that I teach at least 50 to 60 percent of your treatment should be educating your patient advising them what what they need to be doing it's more the education side of things um getting that person on board so they understand number one what their injury is number two what factors they can uh, what they can do do about it and number three where to go go from there you know so um yeah you need to it's more about setting a a plan in place rather than you know like I say, being completely passive and saying, yeah, come and see me once a week for months and months on end. You shouldn't need to do that. So, Myth, what do you think of these practices where, you know, certain um, practitioners, like, like I said, other physios and osteos and chiros, end up bringing in people for these maybe an unnecessary amount of sessions, getting them to commit to a long-term plan when they don't even know how well the injury is going to heal itself or whatever it might be, or even if they need to be there in the first place. Is it dishonest? Is it just for the money or tell, tell us some more about that. Yeah, I think it could be a few things really, to be honest with you, Aiden. I think some of it can be just a money-making thing, you know, especially in the, in, in the private practice, people have got to put food on the table. And if there are pressures, I'm sure they'll find any which way they can to put that food on the, on the table, which is a shame. Um, yeah, it's not uh, ethical, and I don't think that's how people should run their practices, but I do think there is an element of that. Um, but I do also think that's the minority, so I don't think that's across the board at all. I think more often it's, it's caused by a lack of education um, of the practitioner them, themselves. Um, there are a lot of people out there that don't keep up with the relevant ele- evidence, uh, that don't keep up with the research, uh, especially in this day and age where we have, you know, social media, you, you know, YouTube video content, this, the world is changing in terms of your access to, uh, information years gone by, you'd have to spend thousands on a course, uh, to upskill and educate yourself. But now you can get educated, you know, through a half an hour lecture on, on, on YouTube, which is fantastic, which is spreading education and knowledge and making sure people are up to date with research. But some people don't keep up with that research. And, and, and that's uh, why I think people are, are giving unnecessary treatments out really. Um, yeah. They're not evolving. They're not really, you know, they've become a bit stale, I guess. Yeah, they've become a bit scale, uh, stale, a bit old-fashioned, because the research is is coming along uh, very quickly. I mean, even just in the last five years, it's come along waves, <laughs> waves and waves. Um, typically, five, ten years ago, you'd go to your doctor with back pain and you'd say, right, bed rest, two, three days, you know. <laughs> uh, but now we're actually saying, you know what, you need to go and move, <laughs> you know. Right, maybe take down your, your regular activities down a notch, but you know, you need to get out there and you need to move the back, you need to move the joints, you need to move the muscles, get them get them working, you know what I mean? Because that's how ultimately you're going to get better. If you go on bed rest for three days, you're going to get stiff, yeah. <laughs> you know? And did you know, Aiden, that if you spend um, 
24 hours immobile, so 24 hours in bed, you actually lose about 4% of the cross-sectional size of your, of your thigh muscles in just 24 hours. 4% gone in 24 hours. Wow. That's there crazy, isn't it? It's crazy. <laughs> it's not, yeah, in yeah. Hours, yeah, I know. And if you think people that aren't, you know, moving maybe as much as they should be throughout the throughout the day, all right, they're not completely mobile, but you know, it's, if you, it's still going in that it's going in the atrophy direction. It's going exactly. Up. Say you lost one percent, one percent a week. Say times that by a year. <laughs> you know, that's a lot. Wow. Yeah, you'll be nothing left after. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> So on that note of, you know, I guess if you like practicing stuff, I think there's a lot of, especially in the physio, chiro, osteo, mm. manual therapy, if you like, general field, yeah, there's a lot sure. of myths um, that people, whether it be practitioners purport or even clients purport. Um, I've got one in particular in mind, but do you have any that you know of that people should be wary of or steer clear of? Oh, there's so many little things like, Oh, bending's bad for your back. No, it's not. <laughs> you know, bending is not bad for your back. Uh, it does make me laugh sometimes when um, patients will come in through the clinic and sit completely bolt upright. And I'll say to them, what are you here for? And I say, oh, it's my back. I said, um, okay, what, what's going on? It's like whenever I bend it, it hurts. And I was like, okay. And I see this person sitting bolt upright and um, I say, are you comfortable now? And they say, no. <laughs> I'll say, why don't you relax and slump and slouch a little bit? And they'll say, oh, that actually feels a lot better. <laughs> you know, so bending is not bad for your back. Slouching is not bad for your back. That's uh, a, a two that we should, you know, chuck out there straight away. Um, running is bad for your knees. That's another one I hear all the time. Whereas if you actually look at the evidence, <laughs> so run, right? we, we are, well, we're completely built to run if just purely from a biological point of view, you know, if you, a biomechanical point of view, if you looked at the skeleton, you'd say a uh, skeleton with all the muscles attached to it, you'd say, yeah, that's a running form. That's a running animal, you know? Um, but people will say, oh, running wears out your knee cartilage. Well, actually, no, it doesn't. If you look at the evidence, if, if you do a moderate amount of running, you know, regular running, not, you know, excessively, but a moderate amount of running, it actually helps to promote cartilage growth, <laughs> you know, helps to preserve cartilage. So that is a complete myth and complete rubbish that we need to chuck out the window straight away. Yeah. Um, and it's also, as you say, it's how you're running and if you're, what kind of shoes you're wearing, how you're running. Yeah, if you're running badly, of course you're going to get injured. Exactly. If you've got a bad running technique, well, that's probably going to uh, cause you cause your symptoms, not the act of running itself. Yeah. You know? It doesn't mean stop running like an idiot. Run. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah, it doesn't mean demonize the whole of running just because it's it's not working out for you. That's no. it's a very human thing. So if, if it's not working for you, then what are you doing that's not quite naturally human? Exactly. Oh, I went for a, you know I went for a few runs. It's um oh, and I and I feel pain in my knees. It must be the running. Or maybe is it the fact that you haven't done anything for so long or not strong enough? You haven't been, you know, using your muscles. And maybe that's the reason you, you're getting the symptoms. Yeah. And what else? Any other myths? Or? Oh, yeah. Tech's neck. Have you heard about Tech's neck? Yeah. Yeah. The big chin, chin poke thing. Oh, all mobile devices are bad for you. It causes neck pain. And you'll see these uh, biomechanical pictures of as you bend your neck through different ranges of, of flexion, the amount of load that is put through your neck muscles and your joints. And by all means, that's true. I think that's a hundred percent true. Um, as you, the further you bend your neck forward, 
there is more load going through your neck muscles. That's a fact. But we all bend our necks every day. We look around. I mean, back in 50, 60 years ago, were women complaining of knitting neck? <laughs> you know, that wasn't a thing. So, you know, this whole text neck thing, I think, is a, is, a, is a bit of a myth as well. I think being stuck in the same position for extended periods of time is a problem. So if you're sat on your phone for hours and hours a day or sat in front of the computer for hours and hours a day, I think that could be a problem. But I don't think it's actually the act of looking at the screens that's the problem. It's more the act of doing it for hours and hours on end without a break. You know? yeah. So there's a, there's, a, there's a little bit of a catchphrase that's going around the physio community at the moment. Um, there's no such thing as, as um, the best posture. Your best posture is your next one. So it's basically saying right you need to uh, be constantly moving changing your position up don't be static don't be stuck in the same positions for time and time again yeah inevitably if you are stuck in that well quite technical position for hours of course it's going to uh, propagate as something negative for you it's going to come as in a result of pain eventually yeah but 100% as you say as long as you're not there forever you've got to you've got to you know give yourself some reason and say right how can i minimize this rather than saying I'm in pain and, you know, I need to stop it completely. Exactly. I, I agree completely. And what about, there's one other myth, I'm sure you've obviously heard this as well, but um, what are your thoughts on the, uh, the whole back cracking and the pulling and popping? And all that no, stuff? no, this, <laughs> this is one that I get all the time. Um, patients will often come, come in often after seeing Cairo's osteopaths and certain physios as well. This does happen. And say, oh yeah, when you crack crack the back, that's what you need to do. You need to shove those joints back in alignment, you know. And and it's just a load of rubbish because again, I come back to the evidence. If you look at the data, if you look at the um, uh, the facts and figures, as it were, um, they've done uh, tests where they've X-rayed people before manipulation and then after manipulation, and looked at the uh, you know the joint positions. And there's no change <laughs> before and after manipulation. There's no change whatsoever on joint position. That is just, a, there's no change on alignment. It's just a complete myth and a, a load of rubbish. So the thought that, you know, cracking the back or manipulating the back puts it back in alignment, that's a load of rubbish. Yeah. Um, manipulation does have an effect on, on people's pain levels, uh, 100%. Um, but it's not because you've popped something back into place. It's more because, well, actually, maybe you've done something to um, almost like not necessarily a psychological thing, because I think there's a physio physiological thing as well. But to say to the body, OK, I can go through that range of movement. I can take my body there. It's a safe thing. The fear goes down. And therefore, you're able to move. The fear goes down. You're able to move. And therefore, your pain goes down Ooh. as well. So a lot of psychosomatic factors involved there as well. I think so. An actual true alignment happening yeah this is true and you do also get uh with manipulation you do get an improvement in range of movement you manipulate you you move there is an improvement but that improvement only lasts about two hours <laughs> you know so it's a very 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 temporary temporary thing um i tend to think of uh, manipulations as a tool that i i use occasionally it's in my toolbox i do use it but very occasionally <laughs> okay um and if someone thinks it's um you know we're trying to pop them back into place i just say no <laughs> you're barking up the wrong tree so meath with this uh popping back into alignment stuff i guess 
you could explain a bit more about how that works because the spine is obviously not just not just the spine any muscle and joints they're obviously being pulled by various tendons ligaments and muscles fashion and so on to be held in a certain place so obviously just popping them in and out or making that sound is not really going to do much is it maybe if you could explain a bit more about how if you were to be able to manipulate something how that would work in relation to that popping and cracking sensation and why that's almost why it doesn't work yeah sure well let's take take the physiology what are you what are you hearing when you hear that that noise that click that pop um what you're actually hearing is um well every joint has is filled with fluid right okay and in that in that fluid you have dissolved gases so when you're taking that joint uh you know through a, a large range of movement those gas bubbles come out of the of the liquid and then they collapse and that collapsing is what what sound you hear um it's something very normal it happens all the time you know everyone can click their fingers right yeah yeah and that's another thing. If, if we say, right, clicking, you'll often hear people saying clicking is bad for your fingers. <laughs> you know, So why is it good for your back? <laughs> yeah, it causes arthritis, doesn't it? So why are you doing it for your back? Yeah. Which is a complete myth as well, by the I way. Know. It's, yeah, yeah. it's a complete myth, myth as well. well. You know, um, But yeah, it's just amazing how we have these uh, dichotomies where someone will say, oh, don't click your fingers, but it's okay to click your back. <laughs> you know? yeah, be, at least be consistent, right? Be consistent. That's it. And I, yeah. and I think trying to get rid of these inconsistencies is, uh, is important in healthcare care these days. Mm, mm. So sorry, yeah. I think I went off on a tangent on your question. No, a, good, a good tangent, mate. It's good to hear the background and as to why that, that works and, and how that works. So mm. Amit, I just want to shift a little bit more towards uh, your thoughts on the industry and yourself as well. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of, yourself obviously you know you're relatively young like myself and you're on your way to a very successful future and a path yeah but just share with us a few personal habits or daily routines that contribute to your current success and will do so for your future success sure thanks yes um there's been a few things recently well relatively recently which have changed which has helped enormously it's going to sound really mundane but actually (laughs) the biggest change that i've done is is making sure i have a good schedule for my day, my week, my month, potentially even my year. Um, I plan everything. If you look at my, my, my calendar, my diary, it's scheduled. Everything is scheduled in. And that goes from work appointments, patients, exercise, <laughs> you know, social, everything is scheduled in. So there's a time, there's a place where I know what I'm doing. That allows me to then switch off essentially, really, um, so I don't need to think, oh my God, what am I doing? I haven't got all these thousand and one thoughts in my head. I just look at my phone, right? That's what I'm doing between the hours of five and seven. I'm going to go away and do that. I think it makes me much more productive. It means I forget less <laughs> um, and it makes sure jobs get done. You know, So I think that's, uh, that's a big change. Scheduling uh, is, is massive, isn't it? I mean, to, to you and I, for example, when we see we schedule at least a month in advance. Yeah. Uh, I'm actually thinking of scheduling quarterly because it just makes it easier. But uh, it yeah, does. Hit the nail on the head, mate. Scheduling is such a massive thing for um, organization. And this has come from someone who used to be super unscheduled, organized at the mm. changes it makes. And clearly that you've shown reflecting your current success and also in your future one. So I think we don't always realise how uh, how important um, scheduling is, and I'd say if any if people out there don't do it and think, oh yeah, it's uh, something you know, 
uh, we you know I could try but it's not that relevant for me I'd say go away and do it properly yeah. actually schedule everything in write a list of everything you need to do in the week schedule a time for it during that week and you'll find your productivity levels go up massively yeah and you realize when you don't schedule and then when you do you realize how much time you waste when you're you're not scheduling because nothing has a deadline nothing has a parameter of time to be achieved within and there's no urgency yeah there's, <laughs> there's no importance urgency yeah. and as it said what happens when you don't schedule it doesn't happen yeah this is this is very true you'll end up doing things you know like watching the tv or something you know watching some crap on the tv which has no relevance to your life whatsoever <laughs> uh, rather than getting something really important done yeah exactly and if you're moving forward and you want success as a lot of if we're talking to the men on this audience today for example you know what do you want in life you want purpose success achievements personal fulfillment it mm. takes hard work it takes scheduling so it does it does great tip. Thank you very much. Another good one is obviously having it. We've talked about this a lot recently um, having a good sleep routine. So you have a sleep routine, right? Yeah, definitely mate. But let's, yeah. let's hear yours. Yeah, definitely. So for anyone out there that doesn't know a sleep route, I've also talked about how important sleep is for um, not just injury recovery, but also general health <laughs> and well-being. Um, if you're not getting your seven to eight hours of sleep a night, there's a, there's a, there's a problem. Um, so I know I have to wake up every morning at quarter past six. So that means in order for me to get a good, I need seven and a half hours sleep. So in order for me to get a, a solid seven and a half hours sleep, um, I need to be in, in, in bed absolute kind of latest by quarter to 11, really for me to then get a good night's sleep. So I set an alarm, <laughs> I actually set a bedtime alarm at 10 o'clock. So my bedtime alarm goes off at 10. That's when I say, right, down tools, everything switches off. I'm going to start my my nightly routine, which involves brushing my teeth, getting my bag ready for the morning, um, doing a few stretches, and just doing a bit of deep breathing work five minutes before bed. Uh, occasionally, I'll also do 10 minutes of reading in there as well. And I found, actually, by implementing a sleep routine, I get the sleep I need, I wake up feeling much more refreshed, and I get more done during the day. <laughs> Wonderful. It makes such a massive difference because it forces you to shift your productivity and focus within the hours that you're waking when you should be up in accordance to you know, the sun, sunrise sunset our circadian rhythms and also your general biology when you realize that actually you know that can wait until tomorrow it's not urgent now What's mm. is get, getting a good sleep yeah, getting time. that extra hours of sleeping is much more important sometimes than you know, finishing off that little bit of whatever you were doing. Yeah. It has a knock-on effect. The next day you're much more productive, healthier, you know, everyone wins. Exactly. Awesome. So with that in mind, I mean, obviously we know what you're passionate about with what you've told us and shared with us today, but what are you most passionate about? What am I most passionate about? Well, obviously you know what I'm passionate about professionally. Um, so things outside that, um, I'm very much a, an advocate of exercise. So I love exercising. I think it's a, it's a great thing. Um, but I've also fallen out of love with things like the gym. The gym bores me at the moment. So that led me to take on some other more interesting uh uh, more interesting sports so i've taken up climbing obviously we go climbing every now and again together uh, which is a great thing so that's a sport picked up last year uh love it just um completely different challenge but also yeah, really cool. good 
Yeah, very, very raw. And actually, there was a documentary recently on TV, a BBC documentary about depression and uh, and exercise. I actually mentioned rock climbing as a really good <laughs> way to um, help combat depression. Because when you do it, you have to be in the moment. Mm. You know, if you're halfway up a, up a climbing wall um, and you're thinking about other things, well, you're going to fall off. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it does help, help you channel your... Um, kind of thoughts into the activity you're doing effectively you're, you're you're doing mindfulness so present right being present in the moment so i think it's a really good uh, sport and a really good skill um so yeah love that that's great uh, obviously i do a bit of kickboxing with yourself now um now i'm hopefully getting in there more than once a week <laughs> uh which is great uh, picking up those skills so i've been doing that with you for about uh wow a year and a half now i was just thinking yeah how long a year and a half a year and a half yeah i think i'm getting a little bit better yeah mate you've come a long way <laughs> honestly i would say so and also, <laughs> the key point here for everyone listening i think with Amith is a good example is Amith has got better unfortunately because of his how he moves he's got good mechanics he's got a good state of mind and he can be present when he's hit there his training is focused and all of those factors contribute to him actually increasing his skill set quicker than someone else who doesn't have good mechanics mindset and whatever else it might be this is true going going to the to the mindset thing i get really excited when i'm going to kickboxing or when i'm doing climbing or if i'm going for a run i I actually physically get excited about it (laughs) you know and i think having that positivity and that thing uh, that kind of focus to say you know what i'm going to get some stuff done today (laughs) you know it's a powerful thing it's very powerful and it's ironic because you and me both i i don't particularly like the gym myself and i'm obviously a martial arts instructor but personal trainer and you don't like it and and you're a physio and yeah you know doing actually more functional things which are more almost more natural but also just more enjoyable enjoyable makes you realize you don't actually need to go to the gym unless there are some other things you want to add on top of that i'm training a lot outside now so i I just take the gear and go outside it's fine exactly and it's more enjoyable i do say to uh, patients you know what i don't necessarily care what you do just do something you enjoy because you're, you're more likely to stick at it you know again i come back to evidence there was a paper out uh, last year about about back pain and what's the best you know exercises to do and one group of patients were given real specific core stabilization strengthening exercises though kind of yeah awful words that i try not to use <laughs> those sort of uh, exercise real highly specific and the other group was uh, asked to just go and take part in an activity they enjoyed who got better both groups got equally better <laughs> so it doesn't necessarily matter what you do and one of them enjoyed it as well and one of them enjoyed it yeah because i don't know if anyone's ever done like pilates or done like ab work and floor stuff that stuff is boring well, okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. boring and in many ways ineffective you know ineffective yeah pointless yeah that's, that's a whole other podcast i think <laughs> yeah we can do that next time that's for sure yeah, exactly sure. So, yeah, go out and do your stuff that you enjoy that's that's the main thing you know that's the key message go and do something you enjoy exactly doesn't matter what you do as long as you enjoy it because if you enjoy it you're more likely to stick at it definitely you know? so why did you get into your field of expertise i mean what was it for you that really made you tick that box why so why did i get into physio so i've always kind of had an interest in the human body i think it's a fascinating thing um i've obviously had the privilege of going into things like dissection labs and uh, anatomy sort of lectures and stuff and every time i do it's mind-boggling how intricate 
and um, and how amazing the human body actually is. So that that kind of started from a from a very young age. Um, so that curiosity, that interest. But I um, I was also someone at school who was. Uh, it's going to sound a bit big-headed, but I was good at most things. So to be honest with you, I could have turned my hand to many a different fields, and I think I could have done all right. Um, one thing I was really good at at A-level was economics. So I was really good at economics at, at, at A-level. Um, and I thought, right, I'm good at it. Let's um, do it as, as my degree. Went to an open day at Southampton University. Lovely university. You know, really nice place. Good place to study. I went to the... Uh, open day lecture about economics and I thought well, yeah I'm gonna I'm gonna learn what I'm gonna do for the next three years I sat through about 10 minutes of the lecture and thought fuck this <laughs> <laughs> walked out and thought I'm not doing this this is so boring so dull I cannot make a career out of this love it love it so, that's the thing man you've got to you've got to go with where you really want to be you clearly didn't want to be there and that was clear action so love it no, I left the economics tent and then went to the physio tent and thought, you know what, this is this is a much better, much yeah. better thing, <laughs> much more interesting. I can't be sitting at a desk all day, you know. And look at how passionate you are about it now. It just it shows. Hundred percent, hundred percent, brilliant. So in recent times, I mean, what development in could be your area of expertise or in general in the health, well-being, even philosophy, martial arts, and or business worlds has excited you the most? Uh, what's excited me the most? Oh, Ex- well, just exercise in general, really. I think, to be honest with you, like I said to you, I think um, uh, finding something people enjoy and doing something regularly is is important. So I think that that's what excites me: finding new challenges, finding different things to do, finding different things you find fun. Um, I think really, really motivates me, and uh, yeah, it progresses me. Brilliant. Cool. With that in mind then, going more specific on the health industry, what are your general thoughts on the health and wellbeing industry? My general thoughts? Um, well, I think we've touched upon a few of them already. I think there's a lot of bullshit out there, basically. Um, a lot of myths, a lot of things that are just unfounded, you know, not based in facts, just someone's opinion who has this opinion based on absolutely nothing i think we've got to move away from that um i think practitioners and healthcare professionals myself included physios personal trainer whoever whoever it is um need to get need to up their game in terms of you know their knowledge really and also challenging the knowledge you do have because sometimes what we know isn't always what's right <laughs> you know especially in the uh, field of medicine every 10 years something changes you know well it's changed so it's even sooner than that really daily. Um, daily yeah as we you know get more knowledge as we do more research we actually find some of the things we used to do actually aren't that helpful you know i mean for common colds we used to put leeches on people <laughs> don't do that anymore <laughs> you know I mean? but at the time that was conventional knowledge you know everyone used to think the world was flat that wasn't that's not the case you know um it doesn't have the application anymore does it and as you say there's a lot of things out there but it's one of those things as well as the whole discard what is useful and take you know what is truly yours um but it's optimizing the own the knowledge we have to become the best we can and we all have our own biases and particularly confirmation bias so it's quite mm. a challenge and we have to humble to get around that isn't it yeah this is this is very true i think you have to challenge 
everything you know <laughs> all the time be challenged i love having uh, questions thrown at me because it makes me reevaluate what i know and what i think and i think um other people should do that as well other practitioners should do that as well because i think we get very defensive um about what we do we like to think our way is the right way um but sometimes i think we also have to challenge that and be open um you know having that discussion really yeah it's it's like letting go of the egos and finding out mm. really truth should be the ultimate aim not winning you know me winning against you or vice versa or whatever it might be so if we aim for truth then we can drop that exactly because my my biggest aim really is to help as many people as I can you know change as many lives as I can <laughs> you know take people out of pain show them that they're not um they're not limited but actually there's they have potential to do whatever they want to do you know that's what excites me um so so yeah, <laughs> yeah big, big girls and I love it and I'm, I'm mm. exactly the same mm. a couple of more questions just to wrap up okay more quick fire talking more particularly towards the audience of men now, but some general ones as well. What issues do you see that men should be thinking about? I think there's a, yeah, uh, ego is a big one. <laughs> I think in, in this day and age, I think, uh, again, we talked about uh, men being uh, very defensive about, you know, what's, what's right for them. I think uh, we need to open up a bit more drop those uh, drop our guard essentially drop our defensiveness um and just share with open honest conversations about what's going to make you um what's going to help uh, you be happier really it's more the pursuit of happiness at the end of the day having a purpose having a, a drive to do something that you you know enjoy and want to do so yeah brilliant that's that's super helpful okay next one is what advice, Amit, do you have for the younger generation of boys? So boys who are coming up and they're coming up into teenage years and eventually into adulthood. Um, I suppose be humble. Same kind of thing, same kind of messages. The messages ring true for, for older, older men, younger men and men in the middle. <laughs> uh, I think as long as you're humble, um, doing the things you enjoy, doing the things you want to do. I think that's all that, all that matters, really. Uh, try new things. Uh, yeah, don't hold on to uh, negative beliefs. Do do what you want to do, basically. As long as you're not hurting anyone and harming anyone along the way, I think that's um, that's the most important thing. Yeah. Or as they say, ethical, moral, legal, eh? So. That's it. That's it. <laughs> you're right. So what else, if anything, I mean, it keeps you awake at night? Well, because I've got a really good sleep routine, it doesn't really keep me awake at night. So, <laughs> um, or are you basically saying what 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 annoys me? Is that what you're, what you're trying? Well, to do? yeah, if you know those kind of sleepless nights, we all get them here and there, you know, or whatever it might be. It doesn't have to be a sleepless night, but what keeps you thinking? What keeps you awake at night? Those times you want to do something, but what what's going on between the two ears? What's keeping you ticking? Yeah, I suppose a, a big fear for for me is um, I always want to strive to to be better. Um, you know, it's probably a, a thing I hold on on to, which is not necessarily healthy for me. But it, you know, we all have our little our little things. Um, not being the best person I can be does scare me. <laughs> you know, going into clinic, someone asking me a question and I and I don't know the answer. That that does scare me. But at the same time, that gives me a bit of drive to do better, to want to do better, to, um, yeah, to thrive and thrive and survive, I suppose. Yeah. yeah so 
yeah yeah it's not necessarily a negative or something that keeps me awake at night but it's almost i can use it as a as a drive to go go forward so i I guess i'm putting a positive spin on it yeah i would say so mate i'm exactly the same as well i think you know you have to especially as men we have to have a you know we want a purpose we're very purpose we need a goal something to achieve something to gain not just to help ourselves but also to help others too and as we both do we clearly want to make a massive impact not just on our lives but also other lives too and in doing so uh, we are going to get effectively a little bit stressed about what we're doing and almost, right, how can we make this better? You know, what can we do to have a bigger impact sooner rather than later? Yeah, this is very true. Very true. If I asked you, Amith, uh, or your closest friends, what your superpower would be, what would it be? Well, my superpower would be? Yeah. Oh, Wow. What would it be? <laughs> what a question. I'd love that. I'd love that question. Um, I think I'd want the ability to, to travel anywhere I could in a split second. You know, like how, uh, how Superman can just fly around the world and, and get to any different spot really quickly. I think I'd love that ability. Is it flying or teleportation? No, nah, teleportation. I think that, that, that's cool. Just to pop up somewhere and be like, wow, I'm here. <laughs> you know? And if I could do that Doctor Who thing where, you know, you can travel through the times. I don't watch it. Uh, what does he do? Uh, he can travel forwards and backwards in time, you know, so he can pop up somewhere in the, I don't know, the, the Roman times or, you know, or wherever. Nice. And, like Back to the Future it, almost. Yeah, that kind of thing, that kind of thing. Um, just to see actually what, what life was like at different phases. I'd love to be around the times of the ancient Egypts and how they built the pyramids and stuff. I would love to know how those guys actually did that, <laughs> you know, nice. and how much knowledge we've lost along the way, <laughs> you know. There's that so much knowledge I think we've lost. So going back in time to gain that, I think would be amazing. I like those. Those are very, very cool superpowers. Yeah. Before we wrap up, is there yeah. anything else you want to mention? Um, please share that if so. If not, share with us where people can find you. So your website, social media and things like that. Yep. So uh, as you said earlier, I run a, a business called Physio Unlocked. So you can find us on www.physiounlocked.com. Um, so come and check us out. I give everyone that comes through and wants uh, some advice, a 15 minute free, completely free, no obligation um, kind of consultation. So if you are dealing with some pain, injury, illness, um, or just want some general advice, really, the options there, the door's open. So come along there you'll find the um the link to have your free sign up so um we can do that you can also find me on all the social media platforms so type in physio unlocked in them and you'll find me come up there wonderful and i would guys implore any of you listening to take a meet up on that i see a meet regularly mostly weekly for a great sports massage and massage therapy and that's in person but even on the phone or online uh you can work wonders yeah, I'm more than happy to speak to people just about anything they, they, they want They want to know, really. I think the more knowledge people can have, the better they'll do. Awesome. I'm with completely with you, Amith. Amith, I just want to thank you for being on the Fit Roots podcast today. Thank you for your time. And it was really a pleasure to have you here and hopefully have you back in the near future. Thank you for having me.